You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Nick, how are you doing today? Good, Dave. How about yourself? I am doing well. All ready to uh, get rolling with the uh, fourth edition of our uh, podcast. Episode four. I think this is the one. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, uh, <laughs> like one, maybe yeah. we're gaining some <laughs> momentum, right? And we've got, a, got a, a more fun topic today than we have on the last couple. Uh, we're going to talk about how to get started in your employer's retirement plan. And uh, because when folks come to see us, a lot of times we see uh, hesitation around how to get started. So we were going to kind of talk through that and some of the issues people need to think about. And hopefully the main takeaway for most people is if you've been procrastinating, just just go get started. Yeah. So a big thing with this, there's a lot of different, I would almost even call it anxiety around how to get started, what to do, making sure you're doing it right. And what I tell people is just do some amount, just start out with something because something is better than nothing. Even if you got, you know, the the type of contribution or the amount wrong, the the point is to start making those contributions. And I always tell people the first contribution you make to a retirement plan is the most important because it has mm-hmm. the longest time to grow and compound. And so the sooner you can make that first contribution, the better. Um, so even if you, you know, don't worry about the details, just get some money in there, get it, start growing, get that compound interest starting. That is going to make it easier for you down the road, the sooner you can right. make those contributions. Right. And, you know, I always, I always call it uh, analysis paralysis. There's, there's new topics, new, you know, new jargon that you, uh, you get bombarded with if you're, if you're a first time investor and our, our tendency is, is humans is to freeze like a deer in the headlights in those situations. And so what we really want you to do is just power through, make some decisions and get started. We can, we can almost always fix and correct things as we go if you need to. But uh, the main thing is just to get that money going and uh, um, start taking advantage of uh, the uh, fourth wonder of the world uh, of compound interest. Absolutely. And and don't, you know, the longer you wait, the more payrolls that go through, you know, right. a couple of different things happen. You don't get your matching contributions that maybe you're eligible for, but also it makes it harder, right? So when yep. you're three months into a job and you start contributing, now all of a sudden you kind of have an idea of what your budget looks like. Mm-hmm. But if you, so it's much easier beforehand to take $50 and pay yourself first than it is to come back six months later and say, all right, now I got to find, <laughs> right. I got to find a way to take 50 or a hundred or $200 out of my budget now that I've been planning for the last three or four months on. So definitely yeah. start right away. Yeah, for sure. Once you're used to that, uh, that paycheck, it's like someone's taking something away from you. But if you, if you, if you make those contributions right from the start, it's a lot easier to stomach. And, uh, you know, uh, what we're hoping to do today is get people past that, uh, analysis paralysis. And so, and, and I want to note too, that we're, we're talking in general terms here. Uh, you know, there's dozens of different flavors of, of retirement plans out there, but they all tend to have these same basic functions. So hopefully this will help cut through that complexity so that you can, you can move forward. And just getting money flowing into the plan is, is the way to get going. But uh, 
You know, you've got to do a little homework as you get started. And we come back to this a lot with, with just about every topic we talk to people, but you've got to start by understanding where your money goes on a monthly basis. And it's a lot easier to carve out $100 or $200 or whatever you're going to put into the country as your contribution to a retirement plan if you know that you're not living beyond your means and you're not spending every last dollar that comes in when you get paid. Absolutely. You know, we talk about budget all the time when, you know, it's one of those things that nobody likes to talk about. Nobody likes right. to deal with. Nobody likes to sit down with a spreadsheet, but it's so important to everything that you do because right. you can be putting, you know, money in the right spots and have everything going with your retirement plan. But if you turn around and your budget isn't set, now you're taking out credit card debt and things like that. You can undo everything by making some bad decisions in the budget. So making sure you got that set up is extremely important when it comes to making sure that your contributions in your retirement plan are going to be successful because success is not having to go back in there and take money contributions out. out. Yes. After a while, we sound like doctors talking about diets, but that's really that's really the way it has to be. And and part and parcel to that is if you've got an emergency fund in place outside of your retirement plan, it's a heck of a lot easier to think of those contributions as being for the long term and for your later future than having to turn around and pull them out because your refrigerator died or your car needs a new muffler. So part of that budgeting process is to go ahead and, and get, uh, you know, get some funds in, in the bank that you can, you can grab so you don't have to worry about the retirement account. With any of these plans, there, you know, there's, there's different penalties and taxes involved with distributions. Sometimes you can get around those depending on the situation. But I tell people, you know, don't plan on, hey, if this happens, I can get that money out with no penalties or tax implications. Instead, think about it as as the last resort, regardless of those rules. Absolutely. You know, those things work much better when you can just let them grow and compound. And so yeah. that that all starts with having the right budget and having that emergency fund in place. The next step in our process is determining your contribution level. And and oftentimes we get questions around this in terms of how much should I be contributing? Rule of thumb rise that we talk about is, you know, 10 to 15% of salary. Now that doesn't necessarily have to be all you. So for example, if your company is willing, generous enough to do a 5% match, and you're putting in 10, that gets you to 15. Yep. Or if you're doing five, that gets you to 10. So yep. if you have a good retirement plan, you know some of that can come from the, on the company side. As far as a, a starting point that we always talk about, we never want to leave money on the table if we can help it. So if right. you have a company match at 8%, you want to do everything in your power to get up to that 8% as soon yep. as you can. So whether that's taking step-by-step to increase that. A lot of retirement plans now will even let you automatically step up your contribution every year. So you might start at five, then at the end of the year, they're going to push you up to six until you get to a certain point. And that kind of out of sight, out of mind is really helpful Mm -hmm. because a lot of times Mm -hmm. you don't even notice that that change is happening. And a lot of the companies are trying to go around when their kind of annual merit raises are as well. So you might get a raise of 2%. You might contribute one more percent to your retirement plan. And it still feels like you have more 
or you still have more in your paycheck, even though you right. put a portion yeah. of that towards retirement, which is really good. So, yeah, you know. it, it, it fits with what we talked about in the first point about getting started in the plan before you're used to what a certain level of take home pay is like. And if you get that, that increase in pay or a bonus, that's a great time to raise your match because if you haven't had it in your bank account, you're not going to miss it as much. It's just uh, the way psychology plays into this. Yeah. And, you know, keep in mind 10 to 15% is a target, but this also is a long term goal. And it's not like, you know, if 10% of your salary is going to put you in a real cash flow bad spot right now, you know, start with what you can, do what you can. And work up from that. Just that kind of consistency, getting used to putting money in there. That's really important. Um, one of the other side notes to that is a lot of people, if they, you know, let's say you got a job, they have a retirement plan, you're not planning around sticking around very long. A lot of times I would have employees say, well, I'm not going to be here, so I might not get this match and I'm just not sure about things. I have yet to have anybody that I told to make a contribution come back to me and say, man, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and have you ever have you ever had a retiree come back and say, boy, if only I'd saved a little less? Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Never. Not, yeah, not to this right, day. So. Right. I, I just wish I had not put away. <laughs> you know, that's different from, you know, regretting that you didn't do certain things throughout your life. But nobody's ever said, boy, I just wish I had a little bit smaller 401k. Some plans, but not every plan now has a choice of contribution type. And this can get this can get confusing to people that aren't used to this um, sort of system. The traditional way, and sometimes you'll hear it called a traditional contribution for uh, retirement plans to be funded is what we call a pre-tax contribution, where your contribution is subtracted from your gross pay before your taxes are calculated. And so you get the benefit now of not paying tax on that money, but then in retirement, that money's taxed when it comes out of the plan. And with the the basic premise that most people are going to be in a higher tax bracket during their working years than they are during retirement. But we know in reality, that's not necessarily the case, right? Right. So, So recently, we've seen plans bring in what are called Roth contribution types or post-tax. And what that means is that for those contributions, you pay the tax now, it's not subtracted from your income, but if you follow all the rules and take those those contributions out during retirement, they're tax-free. So those are better if you're in a low tax bracket now and expect to be in the same tax bracket or higher in retirement. In a way, it just begs the question, how do you know? you know, which is better and which is worse for your situation, right? We've got a few rules of thumb. I, I, I kind of draw the line. If, if, if you're going to be in the 20%, 22% tax bracket or lower this year or now, you're probably better off making Roth contributions. It's not a hard and fast rule, but if you're, if you're in that low of a tax bracket, you're probably better off paying the tax now and uh, having those distributions be tax-free in retirement. 
Do you uh, do you have any rules of thumb you follow on that with clients? Yeah, you know, that's a good one. And actually, you know, I think the younger you are a lot of times leaning more towards the Roth, the problem is, mm-hmm. as, as we've kind of described it, is nobody really knows right. what the taxes are going to look like in the future. And so unless you were retiring next year and you knew your tax bracket was going to drop, you know, off a cliff, which very rarely mm-hmm. happens, um, mm-hmm. You know, having kind of a mix of contributions is my favorite thing because once you get to retirement and you have some money in a Roth and some money pre-tax, then we have options. And the reality about retirement is most people are looking at a 30-year or more retirement. And so taxes are going to change in that 30-year time frame. And what might be a great strategy when you're first starting out in retirement might change down the road. And if you have both pre-tax yep. and Roth after tax, we're going to have options. We're going to have sure. to do some planning around that. And so yes. mixing up the contributions is really helpful. Yeah. You're, you're diversifying the tax treatment of your money in retirement then the same way we would diversify your portfolio. And so there's going to be certain situations where it makes sense to take money out of a Roth during retirement and certain situations where you would go with what you have in pre-tax or after-tax money. And when we've got that mix, we've got more, more arrows in the quiver to, to work with and uh, can save money down the road. Um, and not only can you, you mix contributions or have different, uh, different uh, sub-accounts in there, but you can actually... As you're contributing, you can say, if I'm contributing 10% overall, I want 5% to go into the Roth option and 5% to go into the pre-tax option. Right. Most plans are pretty flexible on that. If you're, a, if you're lower income and you're just starting out, though, the Roth is probably the, the best bet for you. And Absolutely. Yeah. Again, just don't get frozen by the decision. Pick one. You're not going to be too wrong one way or the other. You know, Absolutely. that's. Yeah, that's that's kind of the key. These aren't these aren't life and death decisions. It's 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 going to be it's going to be a good thing regardless. Making contributions is always better than making, you know, <laughs> whether it's pre-tax or Roth, it's better to make right. it than it is to, you know, not make to it. Not. So. Sure. Yep. I couldn't agree more. So uh, next little bit of thing that you have to decide is choosing investments. And so mm-hmm. this time we talk about analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. There's typically, you know, a lot of different options when it comes to even the 401k. Yeah. And a lot of companies have even slimmed them down because they found that the more options that were out there, the less likely <laughs> less people likely. were to participate, which is right. not what we want. And so they've kind of really slimmed it down in terms of what your options are available to you. And, and, and like we note here, it's just really important to kind of pick something and make contributions more than it is to get it right. And so, yeah. you know, as, as rule of thumbs, the younger that you are, you really want to be a little bit more aggressive, you know, and when we have a rule of thumb, when you're looking at things from this standpoint, a lot of times we'll say, you know, whatever your age is, that's what you want to have in safer investments. So if you're 25, you only want to have 25% in bonds or safer investments, 75% into stocks. And, and as a rule of thumb, that kind of helps. Yeah, it it does help. I wasn't a, a great math student in in elementary school, but one thing that always stuck with me is zero times anything is still zero. If your account balance is zero and you're just starting out, whatever the investment return is, doesn't really matter, right? Zero right. times whatever percent you make on it is still zero. So when you're getting 
it's being a little bit tongue in cheek, but when you're just getting started, what the investment return is, isn't nearly as as important as as the money going into the plan. Your contributions in your first year, if you're putting, say, 10% of your salary in, are going to be more than whatever the investment return is. And that's going to be true for a long time as you're just getting started. It's not that it's not important. You still want to earn a good return on your money. But to get stuck on the decision making is is just not worth it. So, so there you are, though, with a, with a whole laundry list of funds on this sheet, and you've never invested before, and it's all it might as well be written in, uh, you know, Greek as far as as far as that goes for most people. When somebody brings me their plan options and they're just getting started, I often look for for low cost, diversified index funds. But if you don't know what you're looking for, that can be kind of tough to decipher. Right. And not every plan has those in the plan. Right. So, you know, that's kind of a, a challenging thing too. And not only do you have to have the right kind of options in terms of what type of stocks, but also you got to look at what the costs and things are and not every plan yeah. has that. And so target date funds really yeah. solve a lot of this problem because they yeah. typically on the lower side when it comes to fees and they're well diversified. So, so a target date fund is a mutual fund that is designed to be a one-stop shopping kind of fund where the date that is in the name corresponds roughly to when you would expect to retire. So what you're doing is essentially telling those fund managers, take care of my money, knowing that right around 2050 or 2060 or 2030 or whatever that target date is that's in the name of that fund, that's about when you plan to retire. If you're younger and that target date is a long time out there, the fund's going to take more risk with the idea that you've got time to earn a good return with that money. And then that risk becomes less as you get closer to retirement. Right. And especially when you're younger, I mean, those are typically built into five-year increments. And so mm-hmm. as long as you're within five to 10 years of when you actually retire, because who knows right. what the future is going to hold, you're right. going to be fine for a long time. Now, right. when you're well, yeah. one or two years away from retirement, it kind of changes things a little bit because it's harder to kind of right. predict. But when you're young, for sure, those are... Right. Um, you don't have to be exact. You know, a, a lot of a lot of investment advisors don't like to recommend target date funds, but I look at them as like if I'm like if I only know one thing about a client or a, a somebody that we're talking to, and I may never see them again. If I put if I know that their retirement money is in a target date fund, at least I know it's going to get them close to what they should be in, right? For ongoing clients, people that we're working with often depends on the plan. Some plans have really good funds in them that we can build a great portfolio out of. Sometimes the target date fund is still the best choice. But if we never see somebody again, we know that that's going to take care of business for them. Right. Exactly. One last thing on those is now those are usually the default. So if you sign up for your plan and you don't choose a fund, you're probably going to be put into a target date fund that's going to be geared around when you would turn 65. So you may end up, if you don't make a decision now, you may end up in one anyway. And that's fine. It's absolutely fine. For sure. Just making sure you're getting those contributions in there, like we said, is is much more important than investment liner. Yeah. And, And now, you know, probably the hardest part for new investors, just keep contributing consistently and ignore the markets. 
you know, the markets are going to go up, the markets are going to go down. That is that is as close as I will come to a market prediction. They will be up and they will be down. But over the long haul, they'll be up. It's, it's interesting to see younger uh, folks that are just starting out in plans like this will get very upset when they're they, you know, I, 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 I will hear, you know, I've been contributing for a year and I have the same amount in there as I started with or, or less even, and they'll get discouraged and want to stop and not have the perspective of thinking of this as like a 30 year game where what they're putting in now and what it does in the short term isn't really going to matter. Absolutely. So what I would also say to that too is a lot of times, it, you know, your what you were taught about the markets or investing is really going to kind of show through in times like this. And yeah. the hard part about where we are at today is sticking it in a savings account or the most conservative investment. Unfortunately, you're not getting enough return when you're young. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, you know, what you know or what you learned about the stock market, probably wasn't very much. If you were lucky, you had a class in high school or college. Right. Other than that, you might have learned something from your parents, but a lot of times you didn't learn things from your parents and you didn't take a class. And so all you remember is that in 2008, we had a big, huge stock market crash and that probably made without getting too much into behavioral finance, but that probably made you think that, you know, stock market investment investing is dangerous and you can lose mm-hmm. money. And the other thing that you probably remember is Occupy Wall Street. And so you have some pretty bad things that you remember about <laughs> investing in stocks. Right. And so if that's what you're going on and you tend to be more conservative, then you're going to have a hard time getting the growth that you need in order to retire because interest rates are so low right now. And so right. Um, really kind of looking at, and it goes back to that consistency and making sure that when the markets are up and down, you're not panicked. You've got plenty of time to make it up when you're just starting out and you're young. So don't mm-hmm. worry about that stuff. Just keep contributing, keep putting money in there, and eventually it will come back and it will come back stronger because you've been right. putting money in along the way. Right. Well, we could do we could do several podcasts just on risk in the markets and, and, you know, different, different things to think about. But at the beginning, when you're, when you're starting out, the main thing people lose sight of is if the market goes down and you're putting a couple hundred dollars in every month from every paycheck, you're buying more shares. And so when the market does come back, you've got a bigger accumulation of those shares now at a higher price and it compounds your gains. It's actually the best thing for people when they're just starting out for the market to go down. It feels so counterintuitive, but it really is. uh, And, you know, I guess uh, we'll have to, we'll have to throw that on our, uh, on our board to um, talk about in a, in a future episode, but uh, it really does work out in your favor to have the markets go down while you're contributing. And you're right. So counterintuitive, but you know, in 2008, I was, you know, mm-hmm. I wish for being able to get back in at those prices. I was young, right? I, right. You know, I was putting money away in my 401k and prices were yeah. low and things turned around and it's gone really, really well. And, and so uh, it's just I, that kind I, of that mentality you have around those things. Yeah. I've, I've thought it'd be a fun, uh, like research project to go back and get my own 401k statements from 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2010 and show that those contributions that I made in, in those, those years when everything was so scary and lousy are actually what has 
what has driven my account value since then, you know, in, yeah. in a positive, in a very positive way. Don't lose sight of that. Don't worry about it. Throw your statements away if you have to. I used to tell people in 2008, I was going to cut their cable TV and, and, <laughs> and, and pull their statements out of the mail. So they quit looking go. at it. That's the best go. thing. It really is the best thing. We'll do, we'll talk more about that in future episodes. I have no doubt. Yeah. It's one of our I'm favorite looking, topics. I'm looking forward to your research project. I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. if I'm going to be more excited about the research or that you found those statements from back thought, then. Yeah, right, right. Neither, neither one is probably very likely. Okay. So we'll, we'll find a different way to tackle that topic. There you go. There you go. So, and I think lastly, just kind of recapping everything and, and, you know, if don't be afraid to ask for help, I think that's the big right. one. Most yeah. of these plans have somebody that's available to you, whether it's a 1-800 number, whether it's someone that's coming into your office on a regular basis, yeah. um, reach out to them or reach out to a local financial planner advisor. Yeah. You're just getting started. You probably don't have a ton of money when you're getting started, but we, I know at our firm, we definitely take the time to make sure that you understand what's going on and make sure that you're set up on the right foot and comfortable in that because you are the future and being able to invest and get you on the right path is, you know, we love helping people and we love helping people that are just getting started just to at least get them up on the right foot. And, you know, and, and money that you spend doing that and getting set up properly, that's an investment in your future. Um, so that's, you know, it's really going to help you to get set up properly to understand exactly what you're doing and making sure that you're doing things right is really going to help you over the long term because you're going to be able to do the things that we started, we talked about, right? You're going to be able to consistently invest and not worry about the ups and downs of the markets because you've had that conversation. You understand mm-hmm. things better now. You're going to be in the right investment. You're going to make sure that you're making the right types of contributions, um, and, you know, making sure that you're contributing at a level that should give you options when retirement age rolls around. So you're going to be able to retire yep. all of those things you can really get. And that's money well spent in talking to an advisor and making sure, sure that, you know, you kind of have things set up properly and you understand them so you can stick with it and continue to roll and continue to contribute. I think those are really, really good reasons to really good, really good ways to spend your money. You know, there's there's lots of good sources of help. I always tell people too, though, especially in retirement plans, beware the water cooler talk, particularly when it's about the markets. Back to our last point, but uh, you know, just remember that uh, the person, the next cubicle over, or the next desk over, or wherever you happen to be, their situation is different. So don't just assume that because they did a certain thing, they did what's right for you. That's a, a great point, Dave. Make sure that you're talking to an expert. And and one of the things I'm, I'm stealing your line here, but just because it's a simple solution doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad solution for you. It right. might be the exact <laughs> right one. So you don't have to be getting in and out of this specialty fund in your 401k. You can be in the target date retirement yeah. fund and be perfectly fine. And that well, might be the very best thing for you. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, to steal from Warren Buffett that I do quite often, if you're doing it right, your investments should be boring. Right. Right. And so, so, you know, if don't get caught up in what the, what the news of the day or the hot topic or what a particular fund in the plan did last month that you might've missed out on. It's, it's the long haul that matters and boring is probably the best way to go. Worked for Warren Buffett. So. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're going to have to put like a counter of how many times I, I quote or bring up Warren Buffett on, on, on episodes in the future so that we don't get carried away. 
I like that. Uh, all right. Well, I think we've covered that topic pretty thoroughly. I hope this helps uh, helps our listeners to uh, get pointed in the right direction and not be afraid to uh, jump in there and get going. Absolutely. And um, if you're listening, make sure you subscribe and you know rate our podcast. If you have questions about any of this, feel free to reach out. Shoot us yeah. an email. Give us a call. Yeah. We'd love to help. We'd, and, and we'd love to uh, get ideas for future topics. So Absolutely. don't... Uh, don't, uh, don't hesitate to speak up. Love to hear from you. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later, Nick. All right. See you, Dave. Thanks. Bye. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.